All right, guys, this is Sports Entertainment Spectator with Keegan Dimitrovic and Sammy Clough. And today we're going to talk something, uh, talk about something that's a little uh, deeper in meaning. We're going to talk about the uh, Chris Benoit dark side of the ring. We're going to review it uh, and we're going to give our thoughts on this as well. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be a really difficult episode to talk about for us uh, because, you know, especially both of us are huge avid fans of Chris's in-ring work and his impact on the business. So um, if any of you guys are going to tweet at us or haze us or, you know, or bully us or, you know, say on Twitter, oh, F you, Benoit's a murderer or, you know, or screw him or screw you, here's what I'm going to say. Like Chris Jericho said on the dark side of the ring, stop listening now if that's your intention. Okay, I don't want to get back on my Twitter feed and listen to a bunch of people ridicule Chris Benoit to me when we're doing this uh, review. So if you have something to say, I don't really care what you have to say. Take it, take it to yourself. I don't want to hear it. We're talking about Chris Benoit. We're talking about one of the top five greatest in this industry as a pro wrestler. So if you can't accept that, then go talk in another group chat amongst yourselves and uh, dwell on uh, either facts that are disputed or facts that aren't even there in general. So that's what I have to say about that. So we're going to start talking about this Benoit dark side of the ring. So, um, like we said, it's a very interesting episode, and if you are a pro wrestling fan, and especially a fan of the Ruthless Aggression Era, you probably want to watch this first uh, This first out of two episodes. Uh, at the beginning, they everyone kind of talks about the upbringings of like Chris Benoit and Nancy in the business, and there's also a lot more Eddie Guerrero than I thought in this one too, but that's not a bad thing, that's actually fantastic. So, Sammy, what were your thoughts on this first half of the episode where they were kind of uh where they were kind of discussing the upbringings of each uh, of each performer? I thought their overall just like intention to like talk about like just everybody that was involved was mm-hmm. I I thought they did a really good job with that and the story of I mean just how they described it and I mean believe it or not, I mean it's just tough stuff to watch. It's like I mean, I, I saw it last night, and and it was very, like... I mean, it gets you in your feelings. We'll put it that way. It's... I mean, it, even the one... I mean, the one emotional thing was the one where... I mean, where Chavo was talking about Eddie. You remember that? Yeah, was, yeah, and Chavo started breaking down. Yeah, it was that... It was when they were in Minneapolis. It was... Yeah, in the hotel. Yeah. Man, and I mean, just the events after that and how Benoit handled it were like, oh man, it was just the most unfortunate circumstances. It was, oh man, I, I didn't think he handled it well, but well, it was, I mean, even, how could it you, tells you? It tells you something. It tells you something that he went to Eddie's house and he lay, and he was laying on Eddie's side of the bed. I mean, yeah. that that tells you something, and also. Like, it was just, like, every day since then, just, like, crying about Eddie. It was, I mean, when you lose someone who is who is absolutely close to you, it, I mean, it affects you a lot. No matter, I mean, whether you were deeply attached to them or actually when you didn't know them at all. But, like, it still gets you, I mean, it still affects you in some way. And that's what the Eddie and Benoit friendship is. I mean, Benoit and Eddie... 
is one of the closest friendships I've ever seen after watching this episode. And they were really, really good friends since, I mean, from Japan to WCW to WWE, they were always with each other. And besides, the how both of them met was in Japan. Mm-hmm. And you might remember this some that you you might remember this section of the episode when they first went to Japan together. They wrestled each other, and it was. I mean, man, it was quite the match too. But like, and it kind of like ignited a spark between the two because like the two saw potential in one another and the one I mean the one thing they had in common was that they would always belittle themselves over minor mistakes you remember how they talked about the miskit with Jericho yeah and he did like 500 squats in the boiler room yeah, yeah just to and punish himself that, for that, it that tells you something about yeah. Benoit and Guerrero cause like the one little minor mistake they had to I mean they just had to put themselves better for that and I respect that type of dedication because wrestling was the only thing they loved. Well, not the only thing, but like, I'm sorry about that, but like, it's just the, I mean, it's the one thing they gave their life to, like one of the most dedicated stars I've ever seen. It was, and watching this episode, it kind of reflected on, I mean, just like, I mean, how much friendship means to one person or another person and I mean, it was, I mean, if you watch this episode, it was, I mean, it gets you deep in your feelings and it has you think about like all of the past relationships you've had. And like, actually it kind of did the same for me. Cause like I was, even I was like thinking about like, man, what could I have done to make this better? It was, I mean, I made that mistake and I want to start over and try again. But like, I mean, yeah, those are my thoughts on that, but like, it's just, man, it's just heartbreaking to watch. It, it was very heartbreaking for me to watch. And like I said, I actually talked about this on the chat. I said like, I almost cried like four or five times, especially towards the end of the episode. That that was that was getting pretty deep. There's yeah. gonna, there's going to be two parts of this episode, right? Yeah, uh, in, in two days, the other part's coming out too. Oh, I can't so wait So part that. two. So like if you thought that this first episode was really good, I'm sure the next part's going to be even better. Um, but this was, um, especially seeing Vicky, uh, break down during the, the interview, you know, that was a little heartbreaking too, because yeah, if you, you, even, even for them, it's, I mean, even Chavo too, it's, I mean, I know this is a very difficult thing for them to talk about, but like, I mean, I mean, I, I understand that it's, I mean, even I felt that too, like, man, I mean, it's just tough to watch. It just. It affects you mentally too because like i mean like i said you just go back and think about all the stuff you've done in the past and like man i feel bad for that person whatever i did to them like have you ever had those things like watching those episodes like those instincts yeah like i i and trust me too like even in grade school like it's gonna sound cheesy but when you're younger in grade school and you have friends you know and then all of a sudden like they're they either move away and you never talk to them again or you're or they're gone like you kind of and you're not friends with them anymore. You kind of get those those feelings of, uh, you know, like wow, like I'm just really, I don't know how to handle it, because you just want to talk to that person. And I think that's kind of what Chris probably went through at that time, because I think Eddie was the one guy that he probably confided in with anybody. Like because I, like I remember Chris doing an interview. I think it was in 2005. Like, it might have been on the Memorial Show, but. 
he uh, said, like, you know, he would talk to Eddie Guerrero about absolutely everything. Eddie Guerrero was the one guy that kind of bailed him out of every situation, whether, like, he was depressed or not. And I think once Eddie Guerrero passed away, and I think David said it best, you know, I think he just lost his uh, his best friend. Because that was because they were like uh, road wives, you know. They traveled everywhere together. They went to restaurants together. They ate together. They worked out together. You know, they they did everything together. And uh, I think Chris probably, after Eddie's passing, probably thought, okay, you know, I I have nothing else. You know what this makes me think about? Because like losing your best friend. You know what this reminds me of? Like, have you ever heard of the Mark Maron story? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because like he. Mark, for those of you that don't know, Mark Merrow is a former WCW television champion and former WWE Intercontinental yeah, Champion. Yeah. He wrestled for both companies. Yeah, also and, known as Johnny B. Bad. If yeah. You, if you um, get mistaken. Also, yeah. so now that he's retired from the ring, he be, he transitioned into a public speaker type job thing. Yeah, yeah. And he talks about like how he lost his mom and how he regrets everything. Just like, I mean, she just wanted to talk to him is what he said. It was... I mean, it was heartbreak. It was a heartbreaking story too, because like what he was telling everybody about, like the one about how he felt embarrassed about his mom being there for everything. Like for example, a football game, and she would always be on the sidelines, and that's what I remember from the story. Mm-hmm. And th- this was during his career too in WCW. They were on a tour in Japan, and he gets a he gets a knock on his door around like three o'clock in the morning Japan time. It was a Japanese promoter. And he was telling him about how he needs to call home, like there's been an emergency. Mm-hmm. So he calls back to the United States, and it was one of his friends on the phone, and he was just struggling to tell him the news. And then Mark was like, just say it. And then he revealed the news that his mother passed away. And literally after that, he just dropped the phone and just rushed out of the hotel and just, I mean, it was three o'clock in the morning. There was no car, no people, and just like, just three o'clock in the morning in Hiroshima, Japan. and just like regretted everything like he said about well not not necessarily said but like his actions Mm -hmm. about like as even as a kid just like all his mother wanted to do was talk to him and let let this be a lesson your mother like even your parents too but like and if not like during his time but like your mother is your absolute best friend it's someone who is there for you for every single thing you do and even if you have both your mom and dad, those are the two people, your two biggest supporters, just like everything you would, they would do everything to help you. Even if, even if it was through the darkest times, like there, there are your parents. They were the ones who brought you into this world. They would do everything to protect you. And just even through the dark times too, like I even remember like even during like middle school days, like eighth grade, I felt too depressed and like just, I mean, I, I, I just wanted to give up and just like, I mean, I had that difficult time where like, you know, I was failing every single class and just like, I just felt like nobody supported me throughout. I mean, everybody was betraying me and I just wanted to give up altogether. And just like the one person that was able to help me through was my mom. And just like, no, no other person, I mean, including teachers too, everybody hated me, including them, but like, man, every day I would just like, even after doing homework, I would just sit there and just like even cry sometimes it i mean it was just heartbreaking for what i went through but like i mean i'm i I know i'm turning this into like a a story of mine but like i felt like this needs to be said but like 
your parents are the one thing. E even your best friend, relating back to the Benoit story, like like Eddie Guerrero, your best friend, like and that that could be anybody. Your mother, your father, or I mean, even your best friend, the one person that you've known for so many years, and that one person you're deeply attracted to is just like they're always there to help you in every way, shape, or form. Like just no matter what the situation is, or just the one person and. They could also remind you of how much they love you and that you're welcome to talk to them about anything. That that's what makes a good yeah. friend. And yeah. Even your mom even your mom and dad. Just like they're they're also people you can talk to about anything. And whether that's another relative in your family, if you have any siblings, even your grandparents as well, or anybody else that you trust. That's I mean oh man, I'm struggling for words here, but like that's the that's the one thing you can do. Like yeah. I, I agree, man. People that it's hard to find people like that nowadays. Like, like it's very hard to do so. But like, if you're, if you have like this one friend, like you've known for so many years, and just like, like I said, you're deeply attached to. It's, I mean, you could base. They might be your. I mean, just like you can almost call them a brother or sister or something like that. But like, I mean, yeah, that's the whole point of this. And I, I understand like the whole. I mean, I mean, just like Ben Juan Eddie were. I mean, they were deeply attached to one another. It's it's one of the closest friendships I've ever seen. And just like, and, you, and that gives and that gets me like, even the WrestleMania 20 moment at the end at the end of the show when Benoit won the World Heavyweight Title. I mean, it has to be the greatest moment in history for both men who've come so far and that they were told you can't do it or you're too small because it was basically about their size back then. It still matters today, but like, that moment was like. It, it was just like both of them are on top of the mountain. They're both champions and like, and they've come too far. So yeah, that's all. It's, I mean, it's just one of the best moments of all time. I think it's the greatest WrestleMania moment in history. I just think, like you said, I, I can't say it any better, but um, with Chris too, it's like, I feel like Eddie was probably the only person he talked to because we could even, I think that might've been the only person he was comfortable with because we even saw during the episode that Vicky claimed that Nancy said that she would try to talk to him and he would not budge. He wouldn't say a word. So I mean even even before, like when everything was happy and like even he was a completely different person away from wrestling as well. Like he was a family man. He yeah. loved his kids. He loved his wife. He he loved pretty much everybody. But then after Eddie passed away, that all drastically changed from like and even Eddie's funeral too. Like even Chris Jericho was there too, and Chris even said that he gave him the tightest hug he's ever felt, and like even like the tears were soaking through his jacket. I mean, that's how much it affected him. And even in his casket, it was like, man, I mean, he cried the whole the whole thing. And like, and after the funeral, all the wrestlers that were there had to jump on the plane to fly to Europe for the European tour. Benoit jumped on the plane too because like, I mean, wrestling was the other thing he loved because. He didn't know what else to do, but like, if I mean, even if I don't know who said this, but it, it might have been Chavo or some other guy, maybe Chris Jericho. But if there was ever a time where he needed time off, it might have been that Jericho. Moment. Jericho, yeah, yeah, it was Jericho. It was Jericho who said that, but like, he didn't want time off because, like, I mean. And Chavo said this earlier, but like, if you're off TV for like four to six months, someone's gonna come replace you, and that's why Eddie didn't give up. And Benoit had the same thoughts too, because like, just remember what Eddie did, and what would Eddie do in the situation? So th that's what the whole thing was. 
Well, here's my thing on it, though, is I think Eddie and Chris were so respected anyway by the office in general. I feel like even if they did go away, they would be brought back in the same position. At least I think so anyway. Because remember when Chris took, what was it, five months off in 2006? And he, I think so, yeah. And he came back, he was in the exact same spot that he was in when he left. So, and he and Chris was always kept, like, pretty strong. Like, he never really floundered or anything. He was always kept in, like, the upper mid-card in a top feud or in the main event. One of the two. So, yeah. it's not like Chris was ever gonna, you know, lose his spot. I just, I remember, too, after Eddie passed, that's when apparently Nancy thought that Chris should have retired from the ring. Yeah, and Vicky yeah. had the same thoughts about yeah. Eddie, too, because, like, you know how it was, like, I mean, he, he had some substantive issues, because, like, all, like, it was back then before they had a wellness policy. Wrestlers were dying from, like, I mean, like, you know, like, steroids and, like, yeah. some type of drugs as well, but, like, and Vicky thought Eddie should have retired from from that moment on, like, after WrestleMania 20, because... Yeah, David I mean, wanted both of them to retire after Mania 20. Yeah, even yeah. David said this as well, because, like, yeah. it's... I mean, a lot of wrestlers were dying from those type of issues, but, like, I kind of felt like both of them were, like... Uh, even if, even if they went to a part-time schedule back then, I think they would have been okay. Like, if, yeah, if, if, like, if they would have done, like, you know, let's say a, an Undertaker schedule for, from the 2000s where you do, like, a TV here and there, but, you know, you do a pay-per-view, I think they would have been okay on that schedule, especially Eddie, because I think Eddie needed a rest. He needed rest big time. You know, I think they, they worked him to the bone. You know, well, I mean, without knowing, so you can't blame the company for that, obviously. And it was but... it was heartbreaking too, because like in the episode, Chavo was talking about like, I mean, I mean that more that morning when he passed away, because like Chavo was sleeping, and then he gets a, I mean, he gets a call from the front desk at around like five thirty in the morning, and they 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 said like something's wrong with your uncle. He's like, what are you talking about? So, and then he gets a knock on his door shortly thereafter, and mm-hmm. it was one of the it was one of the hotel employees and like they're saying we sent in a wealth and we sent in like some sort of check and he's not responding so we're gonna break down the door and so they cut the chain and then they came into the apartment and then it was Chumbo who first saw eddie lying face first in the bathroom and like he had his toothbrush in his hand and he was brushing the teeth when he passed out it was and even when he tried to get him up he was like gurgling water in his mouth but then their point on it it was no use like and and then he passed away and then he gets a call from Chris after that, and he's like, "Hey, I'm down. I'm at the gym. Where, where are you guys?" And yeah, yeah, yeah. when when Chavo said that moment on, like, um, "Chris, I have some bad news," and he's like, "What?" Eddie passed away this morning, and from that moment on, you knew that it was a paradigm shift in Chris's life. Yeah, Chris's world changed. Yeah, yeah. every damn thing changed. Like, yeah. like I said, it's. Like, a, literally, a tidal wave just ran over him, and, like, just everything was gone. Like, just from those words. Yeah. Hey, bro, I got a question for you, though. Did you see right after that when because Chavo talked about Chris's reaction to when Eddie passed away, and it was obviously probably the deepest, saddest reaction you could probably see. And he was, like, he lost it. And... Did you see, though, right after they showed a picture of Chris on the show when he was off in 2006? 
and he looked like he completely let himself go. Yeah, yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, he was like, in, I think he was like sitting in his backyard or something. And he like, was, he grew his hair out, didn't shave, you know, just looked like he, 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 he just like he gave he up. In, yeah, and he was in the gym too. Like he would always sit on the bench and started to cry, but like everybody was there for him. Mm-hmm. And, but just, he, he didn't want to talk to anybody. But then the suggestion came, they got him a journal and he would write down everything. In fact, like if Eddie was there right now and he was talking to him, he would just write out all the spots, but that didn't work. But like. He just wanted someone like, I I know the thing about just like Benoit, like he always wanted someone to talk to. It was, I mean, from that point on, but like he didn't, he didn't want to speak to anybody from that because like he lost everything in his world. I mean, it, it was just heartbreaking. And like you said, like the worst reaction you could possibly imagine, because I'll have to admit he didn't handle the situation well. It was, I mean, it just affected him that much. And I've never seen... And, yeah, this is a fact. I've never seen someone more, like, more lost in the world from losing somebody than Chris Benoit. Because, like, he, like, I mean, he just wanted, like, oh, man. Man, it's, I'm struggling to find the right words here. But, like, everything just changed for him when Eddie passed away. It was, this is starting to sound redundant, but, but, yeah, it's. I, I don't think he could trust anybody. And I, I think Eddie was probably the only person he 100% trusted because who knows everything that they talked about, but it was certainly deep enough that Chris didn't trust anybody else. No, so it, it, it was certainly something very personal, right? And, and he, legit, yeah. he legit shut down too. That That's what I was trying to say. Cause like yeah. just refusing to do anything and it's just, I mean, he continued wrestling, but it was probably to try to take his mind off of it. That's probably why he tried to keep wrestling. But then ultimately yeah. that didn't work because then he remembered every arena that they were at and all the memories. And I think the memories caught to him. That's what I think this ultimately leads to is that he everything that Chris did in his life up until Eddie's passing was ultimately with Eddie in his wrestling career. So I think he didn't know how to handle that by himself, you know? And... Uh, he, I think he felt alone, even though there's people there for him. I think Eddie was like the entire world to him yeah. in terms of, in, in terms of like being there for him and, you know, having someone to confide in. So, you know, especially for me who, you know, I'm that kind of person too. I don't really like to talk about things, you know, I don't really like to, uh, you know, talk to people that I quote unquote don't trust. So I, I, I understand that, but there's also a point too where you got to understand as a person, like, okay, how am, how am I going to get through this? And I think he thought of that probably every day. And I think at some point he just couldn't find it no. and, and he couldn't do it anymore. I think he was sick of, you know, and this probably has, has in relation to all the concussions he had too, where he probably couldn't think straight either. And that probably didn't help as well. But I think he thought probably at a time in june if if he did commit this tragedy he probably thought at a time he wasn't in his right mind if he did it but you know he probably thought what do i have to live for and i think if he this is probably what he thought and i don't mean to get deep so if you guys don't want to listen to this you don't have to but i think he thought if he left nancy and daniel alone and chris left them how would that affect them as well? Like, you know what I mean? 
Like, that's maybe how he was thinking. I don't know. Like, if he would have left a note, you wouldn't have to make a theory about this. But how was he thinking? You don't know. Right? Well, I already know this was going, and I'm not going to mention it, because, like, I think it would have been more sad than what we witnessed, like, all those years ago. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what happened, to be honest with you. I don't want to say he didn't. I don't want to say he didn't because I don't know, right? Like, I don't think anybody... Nobody, nobody knows for sure, 100%. He, it was... was he killed? I don't know. He could have been. Did he do it? It's possible. You, you, you'll never know. So that's why, like I said earlier in this podcast, when I got people, you know, tweeting on Twitter, you know, oh, screw Benoit, he's a murderer. That is your opinion on something that's not a 100% fact yet. I've got... I mean, I posted something yesterday about rank the four. This is the ruthless aggression era thing, and everybody left out Benoit. And like, I'm getting, I'm getting stuff like the murder or re, uh, redirected, or like redacted. I, I don't know what the fuck that is, but it's, yeah. it's like, so people just came at me like, why did you include him in this? Like, he doesn't deserve to be recognized or something. I'm like, man, you seriously feel that way? It's like, it's not a hundred percent thing. And, I mean, I didn't say this to anybody, but, like, I mean, I, I didn't respond to anybody, but, like, I mean, you know, sometimes nowadays I'm just, like, ignoring hate and all because I'm not going to give a reaction anymore. But, like, it's, I mean, it's just something because, like, he made, like, I mean, he's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and he made that era along with Kurt Angle. It was, like, you know, I actually wondered, what was his relationship like with Kurt Angle at the time? Because, like, I... I never, we never got really like an insight to the story between them because bo- both of their match, I mean, Angle's matches were with, uh, Angle's best matches were with Benoit and Benoit's best matches were with Angle. So I can answer I, some of it for you. Yeah. Like, how was their relationship like? Like, was it, I mean, like, do I just not know about it or am I just that dumb? Well, I've <laughs> so, listened, I've, I've listened to Kurt talk about it and, um, you know, Kurt can probably tell you better than me, obviously, but, um, Kurt said that like Chris was very shallow with him. Like they were, they were buddies, you know, but the, I don't, they weren't, I wouldn't say yeah, close. Like, that, that was one of the characteristics about Benoit. He was like, he was like quiet most of the time. And, you know, you don't see him really like hanging out with the rest of, with the rest of the wrestlers and all backstage. But like, it's, I mean, that's one of the characteristics, even in that WWE 2K, I, I think it was 18. Yeah. Like, Kurt mentioned press, it. Yeah. Yeah. That press conference he mentioned. I wonder if he got heat for that. I wonder if he got yeah, heat for that. I don't care. He shouldn't have, but I'm just wondering if he did. Because ultimately, like, I'm going to say this right now. WWE has pretty much erased him from history. Or at least or, or at least blacklisted him. Or it's very close mm-hmm. to that. However, I watched the Civil War brand split, and, he, and he's in there quite a bit. If you've watched it. He's in there quite a bit. Like, like they don't mention full on his name, but there's they have a lot of clips of him in there. Especially during when they're talking about the SmackDown 6. He's in there quite a bit, and he's in there with uh, Randy Orton as well. And, yeah. and he's also in there. They showed uh, Eddie Guerrero's, like, I don't know if it was his birthday celebration or something like that, but he was in that video too. And uh, th- and they were showing it also. Uh, and I don't know if they're going to mention him from now on. I don't I don't think so. But I'll, I'll tell you right now, for season two of the Ruthless Aggression era series, they're, they're going to talk about the Money in the Bank ladder match, the first ever one. And I'm very curious to see if he's mentioned I think he should be, because he was... Because, you know, that, that that's what I, I always say. Like, he should be mentioned in, like, the right moments and all, but you shouldn't, like... I mean, just, like, besides... I mean, just besides everything that happened, he was... 
I mean, like, he's one of the best wrestlers of all time. Like, you cannot take that away. His in-ring career cannot be ignored. Just think about all that he's done for the company from Japan to WCW to WWE. Actually, let's put it this way. From New Japan to WCW to ECW back to WCW and to WWE. Just think about all he's done for all those companies. Just start it out. He's one of the most – because he's – well, if you add it all up – He's arguably one of the five to ten most decorated careers of all time. Like he yeah. he did everything in new he did everything in Japan. He won the Super J Cup in ninety four. He was near he, he was yeah. he he was scheduled to win the ECW World Title before he left. He went to WCW. He accomplished a lot. He became one of the four Rebirth Four Horsemen. You know. Actually- Actually, you know, before before that, like it was that it was like the night before, because like Chavo got a call from Chris that night because they were going to the pay per view where Benoit was supposed to win the ECW World Heavyweight Title from Punk, but the title was vacant, not went from him. But like, so he also said something. He also said something about to Chavo, like I have to take care of Nancy and Daniel because they're and they're suffering from food poisoning. Yeah, and and at the end, like I mean, he's like, I love you, Chavo, and like. Chavo didn't know what it meant, so he just hung up the phone as some sort of saying goodbye. Yeah. Like, yeah, on the phone. I think like, that was the goodbye. I really think it was. And uh, and that yeah. was the last time Chris spoke to Chavo, I believe. It was... That might have been the last time he spoke to anybody. Because I didn't hear any other things after that besides the... Uh, they, uh, they actually talked about it on here. The uh, text messages. Those really awkward, weird, unnecessary text messages. Which I still... To this day, yeah, because like he sent he yeah. sent out those texts to pretty much everybody. It was on it was Sunday. Yeah, it was it was on that Sunday, and like because Chavo actually got that text around like it was like the middle of the night, maybe three in the morning. I don't I don't remember what he said, but like it was the it was the text from Benoit that said something about like it was the exact same thing from what what he sent to everybody because like he was in lo- the hotel lobby that day and he said. Hey man, to another wrestler, I think Scott Armstrong. Like, hey, oh, Scott Armstrong, yeah, that yeah. referee. And it was yeah. like, hey, did you get a did you get a weird text from Chris? And he's like, I did. And he asked, what did it say? And it said the same thing that came from Chavo's phone. But like, that's when you can tell. Like, I mean, everybody knew something was up because like, he he didn't talk to anybody from their point on after that phone call with Chavo, and just like everybody was concerned. So like, around like the day of the show, it was. I mean, yeah, the day of the show, they sent in a welfare check to his house, and he didn't respond, and they, they sent police over to his house. And then, just, like, after what they discovered, so they had, so Vince had everybody, like, just, like, on the chairs, just, like, you know how, you know where the fans sit in, like, the front row and all that? Because he got everybody there, and he stood up on the apron, and he's like, Chris Benoit and his family passed away today, and... You remember in that scene where... Vicky Guerrero lost it. Yeah, and Chavo had to take Vicky to the back. Like, it was... I mean, it was just a heartbreaking scene, because, like... Very unexpected. It was very unexpected. Very very unexpected, because everybody knew something was up with Chris before, and he didn't show up to the show. It was was already, like, one or three, like, in the afternoon, where everybody was supposed to be there by now, but by then. But, like, I mean, just... I mean, what do you think about it? it? It's, like... Man, you 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 would definitely know something's going on, cause like, you've never seen something like this before, and like, and in fact, I don't know if I've seen like, I've never had friends who felt like, I mean, 
I've never had friends who were depressed. I, actually, there might have been one, but like I've never seen somebody more depressed than Chris. I can Personally. relate to him though, man. I really can because I've been through a lot of similar stuff that he's been through. I mean, I would never take the precautions that he uh, supposedly did according to the Fayetteville authorities, but um, I could relate to him being very introverted. So I can I, I can understand that because I'm introverted too. But I don't I, I don't know what to make of his last day because the text messages were very weird. Let's put it that way. They were out of nowhere. Um, and it's not like it doesn't sound like something Chris would do. It really doesn't at all. Right. According to what we know about him. Um, my the, the I don't know why Chris gave away his physical address. I don't know if that was, I it, who knows, man. It could have been something else that we never know. You know what I mean? Maybe it was a hit and run. Has anyone thought of that? It possibly could have been. Nobody, nobody knows for sure. Because why would why would you? Because even Chavo said before in different in on Jericho's podcast a few years ago that Chris when Chavo Chavo would be at the house with Chris and he was there I I, I believe the week before. And Chris said asked Chavo to not. Um, tell anyone about his house. Right? And uh, Chris also used to take alternate routes home into the airport. Yeah. So that makes you think maybe something was up. I don't I, I don't know. Because he developed a lot of paranoia. And honestly, he started to, ve- to develop this paranoia after Eddie passed away. So it makes you think maybe Eddie, he thought, was like his protector. You know, that would help him. And uh, after that, he probably thought he had no nobody to help him. That that's what I'm thinking anyway. I don't know what happened, man. It's 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 so weird because he was supposed to face CM Punk at Vengeance Night of Champions for the ECW title, and he was actually scheduled to win that match and become the ECW champion. You know, which you know obviously, but um, he he was supposed to win that title, the ECW World Title, and carry the ECW brand. And they labeled Benoit and Punk as a dream match. I remember on Benoit's last ECW appearance, I remember Taz was really hyping up the dream match. Saying like this is going to be a real... I remember Taz saying we're going to be in for a really good one on Sunday. It was the last thing that was said on that ECW show. That day. So it makes you think, man. If Benoit would have showed up to that pay-per-view. How good would have that match been? Very good. Like it makes you think like... Because here's the other thing. He said Daniel and Nancy had food poisoning. Which I don't know how that was possible. I don't know if he was trying to cover something. Probably, I'm assuming. But it makes you think, like, he also called the office, too, I heard, to uh, tell them that he was going to be at the pay-per-view. And he called them on Saturday and said that, which, if he did commit this murder, this is probably after he killed both of them. And he said that he was going to be at the pay-per-view to them. Makes you think, what if he would have just showed up at that pay-per-view? Uh, like after after the fact he probably would have had that good match with Punk and I don't know if somebody would have I don't know if somebody went to like do you think somebody would have been sent to his house anyway because it's like at some point on Sunday yeah I'm assuming so let's say let's say even if he went let's say he did commit this tragedy let's say everything that they the authorities said happened happened but he didn't commit suicide okay and let's say he went to that show 
Because he might have been totally out of his mind. We, we don't know, right? So let's say if he went to that, to that pay-per-view, which is Vengeance, and he worked that match. But Chavo was still there, and Chavo was like inquiring, you know, about his thing. I, I'm, I think that would have gave it away. Because how would, how would have he reacted backstage? Like, you know what I mean? So it makes you think he, you know, he would have been, they, he would have been done. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm. I'm still trying to think. Like, if he, if he did do this, but he didn't commit suicide, what would the verdict be? You know, would he be in jail for the rest of his life? Probably. I'm assuming, or would they come up with some sort of other culprit due to his trauma if they if they knew that? A, well, a, you know what I mean? Maybe they would have discovered like he had CTE brain damage, but like, I felt like he could have gotten some sort of help. But like, oh, I definitely. Felt- yeah, but still, like, here in the United States, it could have been something with, like, I mean, he could have been punished anyway, but, like, as, I mean, he could have been punished anyway, but, like, I mean, I think that's how they would have done it, but, like, I mean, let's say, like, let's say he, ugh, I don't know, but, like, let's just say that, like, it never happened, right? Okay. Like, so what I think it would be is that if this whole thing never happened anyway and just, like, everything was false on it, um, yeah, I don't know. I think he should have retired. I, I, I really do. Um, I think he should have retired in 2006. I really do. Because, first of all, he had nothing left to prove. He really did. David even said that. Like, Chris really had nothing left to prove. And based on his injury history and where he was at his life at that time, it wasn't healthy for him to be in the ring. And if they would have had the concussion protocol back, then he would have retired on the spot. They would have made him retire, definitely. Um, But I, I do think... I do think that he would have been made to to have retired. You know, whether... It was, yeah. That, you know, at some point, at some point, he would have been forced to retire. Probably around two thousand eight. I'm assuming two thousand nine. He would have been had to have retired. But, you know, I didn't see signs when he was like. No one saw signs when he was wrestling though. Like he seemed like Chris Benoit. But, you know, people even said backstage like there's there's been conflicting reports that either, you know, Chris was all right backstage or he was hard to find or. Or, you know, stuff like that. And, um, y'all, both sides might be true. But the one thing that I, I will never understand, never understand, is how a seven-year-old was dead. That's the one thing I'll never understand. That's the one thing I will never, ever understand. Because it makes no sense. You know, like, I don't know, like, if Chris really did do this, I don't know what his mindset was at that time. You know, he might have just full on snapped with Nancy and then just thought, you know what, I'm not going to put this kid through any more hell, so I'm just going to end it for him. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. But I, I, Chris also forgot that he had two other kids. Yeah, because, like, I, I think David was growing up at that time and he wasn't there, but, like... David was about 15. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He might have been, like... I think it was out when all this happened, but, like... It, I mean, uh, they'll tell us in the next episode, like, where he was during that time. But, yeah. like, 
I kind of felt like, well, I think it might have affected him, like, I mean, more than we thought, because, like, I mean, because, like, it was East Benoit's son, right? Yeah. Because, and in the next episode, I think they're going to be talking, they're going to talk about, like, how, I mean, just, like, how it affected him personally, because, like, I mean, of course, it's his father, and nobody can handle the loss of a parent, right? It's... Mm -hmm. And, yeah. Well, David thinks that WWE should still recognize him, like, in some way, like, when the time's right to do it. And I agree. Like, there's got to be at some point, like, it's like when you skip from the Royal Rumble from 2003 to 2005, it's just plain deliberate. You know? Like, there was a 2004 Royal Rumble, and people are not going to forget that. No. And it's going to stick out like a sore thumb that you blatantly didn't air it listen you don't have to go on youtube and post chris benoit versus kurt angle at the royal rumble 2003 you don't have to post that it's not a requirement that you have to post that but when you're doing a documentary okay and you're doing it on the greatest thing of the ruthless aggression era you would you would think he, he has to be mentioned just just based on his contribution to that because him and like we said him and kurt angle both carried the ruthless aggression era and if it wasn't for those two that era would not have been great overall so you know it's uh it's it's a very difficult thing to to go through but he should be mentioned when the time's right you know and it should you know it should happen at some point vicky guerrero thinks he should be in the hall of fame in the wwe hall of fame um, yeah. It, the thing is, does he deserve it? Absolutely. But how do you do it without people revolting on it? You know, a legacy induction? I don't, maybe, I don't, I don't know. Because David said he wants to do a speech. And as beautiful as that speech would be, I don't think WWE wants that publicity. No, cause like, you would imagine cause that based on everything that, based on everything that happened, just, 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 Imagine they announced next year as the headliner, as the Hall of Famer, actually the posthumous inductee. You would have people revolting against that. They would lose like sponsors or shareholders and all that. Because like, I mean, just basically because based on his name, everybody automatically thinks. Well, actually, not thinks. Everybody, everybody just assumes that he was the guy who just did what he did. Yeah, I don't even and know, man. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I really don't. Nobody knows what happened. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, like, I don't know how... See, his brain was obviously heavily damaged. Yeah. Very heavily damaged. And we understand that. But if his brain was that scrambled at that time, let me ask you this. Just because, just because he had this brain damage doesn't mean he would kill his family, right? Because if you notice, most football players commit suicide on their own. But also, if Chris Benoit's brain is th- was this scrambled, like I said, what do you think Mick Foley's brain is like? Well, Let me ask you on, that. Well, based on everything that he did for the business and all those hardcore matches he did, I would have to imagine it's... Probably just as bad. Well... Or close. Well, nobody knows for sure what's in there unless if we hear it from Mick himself. But, like, it's like 
it's just like I, I don't know. I mean, Mick said he's donating his brain after he passes. So's Jeff Hardy. Yeah. They're they're gonna donate their brains. So that's gonna be very interesting to see when that time happens. I hope it doesn't happen for a very very long time, you know. But to see how their brains are, I'm I'm kind of anxious to see how Daniel Bryan's is as well. But yeah, you know, but you know, you gotta understand too, like. Even people on interviews have said you don't see football players who have had these concussions go and kill everybody in their family. You know, you you usually don't see that. So it makes you think like maybe it just like like a lot of people want to blame it on the brain damage and say, okay, well, that's the reason why he did it. Uh, Could it have played a factor if he did do this? Well, probably. But, you know, how... How could you blame it on that one thing, though? That's my thing. A lot of people blame it on that. It's like, you know, he was obviously hurting. Big time. Yeah. You know, big time he was hurting. And um, it doesn't justify if he did commit this murder that he, uh, you know, that he did that. But, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's still difficult, right? Like, he's one of the greatest performers of all time. You know, he has one of the most decorated careers we've ever seen. Um, and you know, a lot of, and nobody besides this tragedy had anything bad to say about him. No, nobody did. Cause like, I mean, obviously he dedicated his life to wrestling and just basically all that he did. It's like, I mean, that's basically it. But like every, almost every wrestling fan has to agree that he's one of the best of all time. And same with Eddie Guerrero. It's. I mean, it's just the two that are similar in so many ways. It's like, I mean, just both of them were almost like brothers. Yeah, they were so close. And I don't, I don't know. Like, it makes you think, like, if Eddie was alive still to this day, would any of this happen? Maybe not. I don't know. If Eddie was, if Eddie was still alive, then he probably could have prevented it. I think, I think he definitely could have. I just don't. I don't know, like... And he would have... And I, I bet he would have, like... He would have helped Benoit in every way. Just, like, maybe, like... Maybe just psychologist appointments or actually, like, rehab or something like that. And just stage an intervention or something like that. But it's... I mean, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. I actually have Chris Benoit's autopsy. Believe it or not. Like, I have it. On my computer. Which is kind of... Because, like, I don't know if you heard, but they gave a new autopsy on him on March 15th, I think it was. If you were, um... If you were wondering. Yeah. Because they did do a new autopsy on him. And there was two dilemmas about Chris. I I just wanted to say this. A lot of you people, like... I don't know how, how true this is, but here it is. So... Chris, they're saying there's two theories that Chris Benoit either died on Saturday or Sunday. The first theory was actually, if you read what the authorities said, that Chris actually passed, passed away on Saturday. Like, you know what I mean? I, I don't know yeah. how true that is. But, but you know, that was, uh, you know, that was uh, another theory too. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, go on. So I, I, I don't know, um, you know, how, you know, I don't know how, how strong that is, but like, 
Like, I'm looking at Chris's autopsy, and, like, I don't know. It makes you think, like, well, you know, he was banged up, too. You know, like, I heard his heart wasn't in great shape, either. You know, like... like, Same same with his whole entire mental state. It's... It's just that. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, but, yeah, definitely. But he broke his neck again in the autopsy. So... Yeah. No, that would, that would have been the second time. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, speaking of his death, he, if he did kill himself the way they said, he really killed himself in the most brutal way that you could possibly imagine. Like, you know what I'm talking right. about? Like, with the way he did it? Yeah. Like, if if you've ever, if you guys have ever been in the gym and you, and you use a lap pull-down machine, okay... You're, you're supposed to pull it behind your back, right? Or you yeah. can pull it in front of your chest. So what he did... What he did is he put it on, like, the strongest weight he possibly could get it on and then wrapped it around his neck and pulled down. That's a pretty brutal way. Very. You know, that's more brutal than a gunshot. Because a gunshot, I... You know, apparently you don't feel it. You know, so, you know, but this is like your, but it also, I, I, I still can't believe he pulled it off though, because he, he must have had like superhuman strength to do this. Yeah. To get it to that kind of weight and then let go. You know, I don't know how, I don't know how he pulled that off, but that's, that's an unreal amount of strength to be able to pull that off. How much time do we have left, actually? Mm, ten minutes. Ah, uh, okay. So, yeah. yeah, he must have had, like, he must have been really strong to be able to pull that off, because, like, like you said, it's a very brutal way to die. It's, I can't imagine, look, just, like, man. I don't know. Yeah, he used, like, a rope, like a weight rope. And I made a noose and tied it onto the, onto the lap pull down that you're supposed to put a bar on, and that's what he wrapped around his neck to hang himself. And that's like, that's a brutal way to go. And but like, it's like how Jericho said though. It, there's an irony towards it because, you know, he built his life off of being in the best shape of his life, and that's what he ultimately kind of killed himself by. Yeah. You know. So I I don't know. Like that's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty dark way to die, but I mean, you know, I, I don't know, like, how do you think from your perspective that this could have been prevented if this is what really happened? Yeah. Like, how do you think this could have been prevented if this was the way that it apparently went? Like, if you're excluding, like, like you're saying Eddie's still gone and, like... Yeah. Like, how could you possibly per- prevent this? I would probably suggest that actually someone who is close to Chris at least probably sent him to rehab or just like stage an intervention for him or something like that. If people knew just like what was coming earlier and like, I mean, basically that, that's what I would have done. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like it really could have been prevented. I think yeah. this I think this could have been prevented if it would have had the right precautions. But 
you know, also too, you know, he also didn't talk, right? Like he didn't, I don't know. I don't know if Chris, I don't know if Chris wanted to not get help. I don't know. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know if Chris like, you know, I don't know what his mindset was, man. It's, it's so hard to say. Because, you know, I think we knew he was depressed, but I don't think anybody, I don't know, I don't, I don't think anybody knew, you know, what was up with him, ex- except Nancy, because, like, Nancy was worried about him, but Nancy ultimately was the, was the one that, uh, that paid the price. Yeah. So, I don't know, man, but, you know, back on a lighter note, like, you know, all, although Chris had to go out this way, you know, at least he... You know, at least he made his mark on the industry. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, he did everything and, like, just everything he could possibly do. So, like. I mean, yeah. he, he had one, like like we said, we had one, he had one of the greatest careers, you know, that, yeah. that anybody's ever had. Yeah. You know, and, um. You know, it's it's sad that his his legacy's ultimately tarnished. But I think there's still some people that think his legacy should be out there. And I I think under the right circumstances it should. It's just yeah, it's like, it's just all about it's all about how you promote it. They should just mention him in like some certain situations, but like it shouldn't be like just the way people think it is. It's just... It's just that. Yeah, so, I don't know. Is there anything you'd like to add before we go off the air? Or? Nah, I'm good. Uh, yeah, so guys, it was a really deep uh, deep conversation about one of, if not the greatest in-ring professional wrestler of all time. Uh, you know, if you guys have anything smart to say about this, uh, keep it to yourselves, please, because me and Sammy, we, we both don't really want to hear it. Um, I think we've heard enough since 2007 about this. So, um, you know, if you have those comments, either talk with someone else, just keep it to yourself and keep your mouth shut because I really don't want to hear it. So, um, you know, we'll probably talk more after after the second episode, but this is a, a good way to start off. So uh, I, I'd like to thank you guys all for... Uh, for watching this episode of Sports Entertainment Spectator with Keegan Dimitri and Sammy Claff, and uh, and we'll see you soon.